0: I want you to turn to your neighbor tonight and tell them this for me. Do what you know, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, I am fully aware that in this generation that we live in, there is a great hunger for knowledge. Knowledge is, uh, it's very powerful. Knowledge is something that uh, we must all seek to have. I have a library that continues to grow by the day. Literally, it seems like it's growing. I, I came home, I just told you a few weeks ago about the stack of books by my bed, and I, I came in my office the other day, and my wife had taken a, a box and so kindly moved all of those from our bedroom and set them on my desk. Uh, I thank God for knowledge, uh, but I, I, I want to tell you that uh, our search for knowledge, the apostle said, much learning has made you mad. And I'm afraid that we are, we are so hungry to know more that we neglect to do what we know to do. And there is a certain point, I've, I'm only going to preface this one time tonight. Everybody say, Pastor believes in knowledge. So I'm not going to say it again, I believe it, but I want you to understand the context of where I'm going tonight. There is, there is something wrong with somebody that wants to be the smartest person in every room they walk in. And if you are living your life in rooms that you are always the smartest person, then there is an issue with your inner man. Because I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord, there's something that I can glean from you. That's the the value of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, we can glean from one another. But uh, there is something so perplexing to me that it keeps me dazed and confused. When I look at people, my mother and I were having this conversation just the other day. I've been praying a lot about it. For some reason, it's been on my heart. For people that have some of the deepest revelation of the Scripture that I have ever seen in my life, I'm I'm talking about it is perplexing how deep they can walk in the Greek and in the Hebrew, man, they can rattle it off and they got more degrees than a thermometer. But they, they can't see... The mighty God in Christ. They've got they got a library that's bigger than anything you could imagine. And they can, they can quote scripture left and right, but they they have overlooked what made them burn in their hearts when he spoke. The Bible said on the road to Emmaus that Jesus was speaking to these men and they were apparently disciples of his in some way. They knew him because they were talking about him, but they they didn't know he was in his resurrected form. And the Bible said, then opened he their understanding to the scripture, and, and they they were kind of mesmerized, and they said, Well, no wonder our hearts burned within us when you when you talked. And it's amazing how much knowledge they had, but there was like no revelation until he opened their understanding. And people can go to college and, and learn, get their doctorate in divinity and spend 10 years of their lives getting a doctorate in divinity and not even know who the divine is. Are you with me? I'm talking about they can, they can walk you through every Greek and Hebrew word on baptism but not be baptized by immersion in Jesus' name. And it's so amazing to me that the level that people would go to, to have what they call revelation and revelatory thought, yet the basic understanding of scripture begins in Genesis 1 and 1, that in the beginning, God all by himself created the heaven and the earth. It wasn't with a council of gods, it wasn't with a council of ideas, it wasn't with a council of persons, it was God and he did it by himself and This is amazing to me because we we want to know the deeper things. We'll spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on books on prayer and not pray. Boy, it's going to be tough for a minute. (laughs) You got every book in your library that Jensen and everybody else wrote on fasting. You got Joy Haney, Jensen Franklin, everybody else. And don't fast any more than we did before we had the knowledge. You understand what I'm saying? We've got, we've got books on divine healing and never pray for the sick. Woo-hoo! Got books on being victorious and how to overcome and then walk around depressed. And so today I was, I was on the phone and uh, I was talking to a dear family friend. He said he had walked into the, to the office of a pastor and he saw the library and he was, he said, I was a little bit overwhelmed when I looked. And he said, man, I just kind of shook my head and said, God, I, I'll, I'll never have time to read all them books. And uh, he said, the Lord spoke to him. He said, just as clear as I've ever heard the Lord. He said, I told the Lord, I don't have time to read all those books. The Lord spoke to me and said, then be the book. He said, what? He said. Then be the book. He said quit trying to find books on how to heal the sick and go pray the prayer of faith. Quit trying to find books on prayer and just go pray. But pastor, I don't know how to pray. Let me tell you, God would rather you pray learning to pray than he would you to sit around and say, I don't know how to pray and not pray. God would rather us pray ignorantly and say a few things that we don't, No, whether it's the right way or the wrong way, but we're talking to him and we're communicating. I don't don't know how to read the Bible, pastor. It's King James. I don't understand it. God would rather you pick up the word of God and read and let a spirit of revelation speak to you than to put that precious book on the desk and let it collect dust. I'm telling you tonight, we have got to be to a place where we're not as worried about what we don't know and start learning to walk in the truth that we know. Yeah, but Hosea Hosea said it, Pastor. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and I would agree. But we're not. I'm telling you, this precious assembly is not going to be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Man, we have great preaching that comes through this pulpit. God sends us some of the most incredible preaching that ears could ever hear. And we are addicted to the feeling of good preaching because it inspires us. And we would rather be inspired by preaching than we would to activate that. I love, love, love to hear stories about how people are one to the Lord. I love that. I love, I love to hear Brother Cornwell talk about the. Thousands of Bible studies that he's taught He's well over it now 10, 10, 15 years ago he had personally taught 10,000 home Bible studies I love that but you know what I can stand around and say How in the world did he get all that knowledge Or I can get online and go to the bookstore And get exploring God's word And take it home and get the teacher's manual and open it up And get a chart and start teaching people From Genesis to Revelation, the power of the Word of God. Let me tell you, by the time you teach 13 weeks of Bible study, you know how to teach one. And you just think it's exhilarating to hear preaching. Let me tell you what's exhilarating. It's exhilarating. To stand in the altar with somebody that you've invited and that you've taught the Word of God and they raise their hands and tears start streaming down their face and they repent of their sins and God fills them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing more powerful than seeing a soul transformed by the power of Jesus' name. And so we live in an age right now where we are extremely caught up In sins of commission I mean if you sit down with Christians for very long they're gonna start talking about the month of June and Pride Month and oh we got all this going on and men marrying men women marrying women it's just on and on and on and you know what you'd have to be a fool to think that anybody in their right mind and full of the Holy Ghost thinks that's okay don't misunderstand what I'm saying right now. But we spend so much time bantering back and forth, we kind of tee each other up. You know what I'm saying? We like to say the things that are talking points that we tee one another up. Oh, you got that right. I can't believe anybody would live like it. I can't believe that somebody would let their genitals be mutilated. I can't either. I really can't. And these are all these crazy things that people are doing. It's insane. I'm going to tell you what else I can't imagine. I can't imagine somebody knowing that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism and not being baptized in Jesus' name. We're so concerned about what the world is doing and I believe the Lord is concerned with what the church is not doing. Everybody loves to hear a good message on holiness and standards and say, well, not everybody. But a lot of people like to hear that. We love it because it gets us happy when we start preaching about the things that we don't do. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. I thank the Lord that I am not entertained by the gods of this world. I thank the Lord that I'm not entertained by idolatry and Hollywood. I'm grateful for that. I thank the Lord I don't have to go to a, a ball game to get my fix. I don't have to go to a movie theater to get my fix. I don't have to pay Netflix to get my fix. I can get in the presence of God and get everything that I need. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm thankful for that. But we are, we are so funny because we'll get up and preach on the Holy Ghost at a camp meeting where 99.9% of the people have the Holy Ghost. on baptism to a room that everybody has been baptized. Because we we love that. We, we're excited about that. and if we ever stop getting excited about it, I'm scared. I mean Acts 2:38 ought to rock a church time and make it stand on its head. There's nothing like this glorious salvation message. But my question is, what are we going to do? when we stop just rejoicing over getting saved and start walking in the power of what the Spirit of God is leading us into. I love to hear stories of how people are delivered from demonic possession, but I also like being in the room when God sets that demoniac free and they walk out of the house of God completely free. Oh, now I know I felt this today. I'm going to preach till I break something in here tonight. It cracks me up that we've been given power over the, the lion, the adder, the dragon. We've been given power over the serpent. And when we start praying for somebody to get delivered, sure enough, you're going to have that one Patty Pentecost that starts grabbing all the kids. Oh, get the kids out of here. Get the kids out of here. Get Oh, God, get the kids back here. We better put the kids in the nursery. I want my kids to know like we're not subject to that. I want my kids to know when that's happening you better be full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm going to preach it till it breaks tonight. I want my kids to know in an apostolic atmosphere that when you tell a devil to go, that devil's got to go, and we're not going to argue with it, and we're not going to ask his name, and we're not going to spend six hours begging it. In the name of Jesus, we're going to tell that devil, you get out of here and go in Jesus' name. And so we're going to have to make up in our mind If we're going to read the book or we're going to be the book. I want to be the book. I want you to fathom tonight the strong, strong message that James has pinned to the church. Therefore to him that knows what he should be doing. And does not do it to that man or that woman it's a sin well pastor I I dress different I hadn't worn such and such in a long time hadn't put scissors in my hair done any of that what about the daily disciplines prayer fasting word can I can I I just tell you what it is just being a hundred percent honest it's because it's, it's an old spirit. It's not something that dies easy. It's an old spirit. It's the same thing that Jesus was dealing with in the spirit of the Pharisees. Now, listen, the Pharisees get a bad name, okay? But I want to remind you, Jesus was a Pharisee. Jesus was of that same order and belief system. Jesus believed everything about the law that they believed. And that's why he frustrated them so bad because he knew the law as good as they did. Well, for one thing, he was the author of the law. But he knew the law as well as they did. And it was, it was amazing. If you get in Matthew and, and, and start reading, they start coming at him and trying to trap him in a question. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll answer your question when you answer mine. Was John's baptism of God or not? And this is... This is so powerful because then they, they, they go over in their little corner and they say, well, if we answer this, then he's got us on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we say it's of God, then we're saying, we we're And if we say it's not of God, then all these people that love John, they're going to come after us. And Jesus, Jesus is walking with them and he said, Guys, you all know what the word says. And you have, you have made it very clear about what we're not supposed to do. You know the sins of commission. They're looking at him and say, hey, I saw your boys walking through the barley field on, on Sabbath. And I saw one of them suckers with dirty hands reach down in there and grab a handful and put it in his mouth. Didn't wash his hands. He said, you know what? You guys are all worried about the hands. He said, it's not what. What you put into the mouth that harms a man, he said it's what's coming out of him. Are y'all following what I'm saying tonight? I'm, I'm teaching a treasure to you tonight of the word of God. We can get so focused on what we're not supposed to be doing that we forget the power of what we're supposed to be doing. We can get, we, and, and. Thank God for it. I mean, out of the 613 laws, 365 of them were prohibitions. Thou shalt not. Thank the Lord. And I thank God that we don't dress like the world, we don't look like the world. But what about loving your neighbor as yourself? What about loving them that hate you? What about doing good to them that despitefully use you? I'm talking about to him that knows to do good and does not do it. So you can dress it up and you can make it look holy and you can holy ghost it and jicamo and shake it. And, and it's that same spirit on the Pharisee. We, we look like we're doing what's right. We understand the law, but we've missed the spirit of the law. Well, you, 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 you shouldn't let them eat on the Sabbath. He said, well, let me ask you this. He said, if you, if you, have, a, if you have a beast on the Sabbath, your beast falls in the ditch. You going to let it die? And he's got them pinned against the ropes. Because if they break a bead of sweat, pulling that beast out of the ditch, they broke the law. But the spirit of the law, he said, is life. It's, it's life. And that's why if you are a Jew and you're keeping Sabbath to this very day, if you're a doctor and you have to work a shift on Sabbath, you go work your shift. Because the spirit of the law is life. We want to give life. And so I want it to be crystal clear tonight. I'm proud to be exactly what I am. I'm proud to be apostolic. I'm proud of my family for being holy and separated. I'm proud of the beautiful ladies in this church. Godly ladies are the most precious and beautiful ladies in the world. I thank God for godly men that stand up and teach righteousness to their homes. But I'm looking for somebody tonight that will join me on the quest of obeying the nudge of the spirit. When the Spirit says stop and talk to that person right there. No, I, uh, no, I'm not doing that. But I do dress holy. So let me ask you a question tonight. I'm just going to throw it out. Is there Really? On balance, now I know theoretically we can get really technical here. If you tell a lie or murder somebody, there's a different kind of penalty. But let's just let's just ask the question now, is sin sin? And if sin is sin, I can be as lost over a little sin as I can a big sin. Not that there's little and big, you understand what I'm saying. And so we're playing this tennis match back and forth with our inner man. Well, which sin is worse? At least I don't dress like they do. But the Spirit of God's been dealing with my life to go to another level in my prayer life and I'm not praying five minutes more than I did six months ago. Woo! Y'all can be seated. I want to tell you tonight that fear is paralyzing the church of Jesus Christ. Fear of the Spirit's conviction Fear of having to change, fear of persecution, fear of submission, fear of surrendering our total will to God, fear of owning our sins and admitting they belong to us, fear of confessing our sins, fear of losing control. You know, I I really know when the plow's deep in this church because usually I can get up here and say, Hootie hoo and y'all are ready to shout. We put the plow down there on about seven out of eight tonight. It's digging up some things in our hearts. You know what keeps us from doing what we know to do a large percentage of the time? Fear. But what if I do that and it doesn't happen? What if I go on this 3, seven, ten day fast, 21 day fast that God has called me to? And it doesn't change anything. Stop thinking that way. If the Spirit leads you to it, there's a reason the Spirit is leading you to it. And if he calls you to do it, now you know to do it. And if you don't do it, not my preaching, this is old brother James here. He said if you know to do it and you don't do it, come on somebody shout it. I mean, I know how I am if I don't have three cups of coffee in the morning. My head's going to bust and I'm, welcome to the headache club, big daddy. I used to say all the time, dad made us do Daniel's fast for 47 years. And I used used to say every year, if I get to heaven and I see Daniel and I find out fasting wasn't necessary, I'm going to break that joker's neck. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it's necessary. Woo! I said, I'm here to tell you tonight, it is necessary. I, I, I don't want to hurt anybody at all. There's nobody here. There's nobody here. Me, me and my wife were in a conversation the other night with some folks, and we were talking about fasting and it's kind of difficult and this lady spoke up and she said, i tell you what, I fixed the I I, I fixed that, she said, I just don't fast I'm like okie doke stay stay with me, y'all with me right now I I ain't about to fast I I ain't about to pray but I am frustrated with God that I hadn't seen breakthrough Woo! I'm waiting on this thing to break loose You know what our greatest fear is Today if there's one fear in my mind That's pressing the church It's standing up to the Infallibility of the word of God Now You can get uncomfortable if you want to But I'm telling you We are, fr- we are scared to death In the face of Cultural opposition to stand up and openly declare and live that the word of God is 100% infallible. No ifs, ands, or buts. Like, there's nothing contradictory in it. There's, there, there's, there's nothing messed up in it. Anybody here tonight believe it's inerrant? What about the other 90% of you? And here, herein, lies, herein lies the issue. Ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of truth. You know why we don't like to say that the word of God is inerrant and infallible? Because if we admit that the word of God is right, then that we have to admit that somebody is wrong. I have literally sat in Bible studies with people in their homes when the light bulb came on in their head. That this is truth. My wife and I were teaching a, a home Bible study one night. And the revelation light came on to the table. It's a neat moment when you see it. But it got this woman and overwhelmed her when she saw the need to be baptized in Jesus' name. She got up and ran down the hall. And my wife said, should I go check on her? I said, yeah, go ahead. And we just kept talking. She went down the hallway and looked in the bathroom. The woman was standing there sobbing. And she said, if, if this is right... What about my parents? If this is right, what about my kids? And started counting the cost. But you know what happens in moments like that to him that knoweth to do good? But, 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 but my grandmother, my, my, my grandma didn't believe that. Let me tell you something. The just God who was wise enough to bring you the revelation that you just received is just enough to judge your grandmother. But if you're going to believe that, you've got to get get beyond your fear of being so afraid to say, I am going to stand on the word because it's right, it's infallible, it's inerrant, and there is no, there is no turning in the word of God. It is right. And when you do that, it's going to rub somebody the wrong way. And they're going to say, that's not how I was raised. Then you got to stand up and say, I'm sorry. But the Word is a sword. It's a two-edged sword. It penetrates coming in and it cuts coming out. The Word is right. And I'm not going to change how I feel about the Word because it's contradictory to what you believe. Everybody doing good? I believe that the Bible is not just a book of words. The Bible is an absolute truth that was spoken from the mind of God and put on holy men of God and it moved on them as they wrote the word of God. And I'm telling you tonight that there may be some folks in this room that are smarter than me, but there is nobody in here that's smarter than God. And God's word is right. It's important, according to Luke sixteen seventeen. it's important for us to establish that the Word of God, the Scripture, is our foundation for Christianity. Somebody shared a clip out of a book with me this week. They sent me the cover of the book and the opening quote of the book. It said Martin Luther. Uh, something, I think the, the, the subtitle was like A World Changer or something like that. And it opened it up, and the, the, the front cover inside Said in these days, and it gave the date. Said in these days, the church had started teaching that Christianity was not based solely on scripture and began to teach doctrines that Jesus nor his apostles had ever heard. And it was like celebratory. Folks, look. If you've got to go outside the fullness of Scripture to prove a doctrine, <laughs> am I in an apostolic church tonight? I'm telling you, if you've got to go get a commentary to prove your doctrine, you have missed something. Luke 16:17, Jesus said that it's said it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away. Then for one tittle, that's the smallest Hebrew character. He said, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one of the smallest Hebrew characters in the scripture to fail. Are you hearing what pastor's telling you tonight? I'm talking about the smallest period in the English language. He said the smallest tittle of my word is going to come to pass. It will not fail. That's why I don't need to know what TV preachers think about it. That's why I don't need to know what radio preachers think about it. I want to know what does the word say about it and if the word says it's right, then it's right. I feel like preaching on Wednesday night. I'm not talking about a segment of it. I'm not talking about certain portions of it. I want it from cover to cover. From the first word to the last amen. I want the word. In other words, don't, don't just assume. Don't just assume that anything written in the scripture is void because of the era in which it exists. I preach this all the time in this church. The Old Testament law is not deemed irrelevant because of New Testament revelation. Oh, you better be careful, pastor. You're trying to get people back under the law. Why would I put somebody under something that's fulfilled? But you can't disconnect the power of the new covenant... You understand what I'm saying? Like, without the Old Testament, there is no New Testament. I'm talking about in your Bible, in the book of Acts, it said they were teaching them Jesus from the law and the prophets. They had the Old Testament out saying this is Him. This is who we've been waiting on. It worked for thousands of years, and it'll work tonight. You got to believe that he is the author and he is the finisher. You got to believe that he is the fulfillment of everything in that book. There is no greater truth than knowing who God is and knowing that the Ancient of Days was revealed in the flesh of Jesus Christ and knowing that He is who He says He is and He is who His Word says He is. But understand me when I tell you tonight it is incumbent on the body of Christ that once you become aware of who He is I I believe, I like it the way G.T. Haywood said it Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. It's not good enough for me to know that he's the fairest of 10,000 and he's the bright and morning star. I gotta tell somebody who Jesus is. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and he is the ending. He is the firstborn of every creature. He is the creator and by him were all things created that are visible and invisible. The privilege that you and I have is that the people in the Old Testament did not understand the fullness of the revelation of the Messiah. But they lived every day of their lives awaiting His coming. They lived in a way, look at it, go back and look at it. They lived every day from the time Malachi closes the book and Matthew opens up. And Zacharias is standing there doing what Malachi told them. He said, remember Moses. They go through 400 years of silence and never stop doing what they're supposed to do. And we go one month without a conference. We go one month without a fresh word. Somebody shout a fresh word. Can I just love on y'all tonight and preach to you? Do you know why we like fresh words? Because we don't like the old one. That's why we're always looking for a fresh word. Because we didn't like the last one he gave us. (laughs) You think I'm kidding. You watch people. The Holy Ghost deals with them. They come to an apostolic church. We start preaching holiness, separation, godliness. And they say, "Mm, I don't know if I like that. So I'm going to go over here and find somebody that will cheapen it just a little bit. And I can still sing in their choir. Well, sweetheart, I want to tell you, my number one goal in life is not being platform worthy. I want to be rapture ready. Because if God took away from me every platform I ever preached on and I was never on another stage, if I never sang another song, if I never played another instrument, and I never preached another message, I still got to be saved. Y'all ready to go? Come on. If you're tired, I'll quit. Let me talk to you about why James said what he said. James presupposes in chapter 4 and verse 17. I have anybody here that believes the word of God? But James presupposes in verse 17 of chapter 4 that we not only believe and trust the word of God, but we know how to apply its truth. I'm not happy to just walk around and say, I know. I know. I know. Well, what good is knowledge? You know, I, people they may get tired of hearing me say this, but I, I use it all the time because it is what it is. People can say they know the law of gravity, but then act like they don't like it. Go visit the Grand Canyon and give her a test. I got a ladder; you can climb. I mean, don't do it on this building. I don't want an insurance claim. Brother St. Clair, I just—I'm not a fan. I don't—I don't like gravity. Okay. So you know it exists. Yep, I know it exists. I don't like that kind of preaching. I, I'm just not for you Bible thumpers. What do you want? I mean, what if, if your pastor, let me just ask you a sincere question tonight. If your pastor's not thumping on a Bible, what's he thumping on? Are you one of them hellfire brimstone preachers? Well, I mean, I'm a Bible preacher, and there's hellfire and brimstone in the Bible. And it says if I, if I do some things and I don't do other things. Folks, I'm going to say this tonight as kindly as I can. I don't want to sound insensitive, okay? Please. Somebody's going to go to hell. And somebody's going to go to heaven. Yeah. Is that a little too heavy? Come on. Are we getting a little too soft in this woke generation? Somebody's gonna be saved, and somebody's gonna be lost. And the way I read it, the only ones that are gonna be saved are the ones that buy the truth and sell it not. So so we got to take the word as a whole. So we can't just jump in on four and seventeen of James and say, Well, yeah, well, well that's just one scripture, you know. All James 4 and 17 is doing is echoing all of James' earlier exhortation that faith without works is dead. That's what he said. He said, you're talking about showing me your faith without works. And he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. That messes with people. Well, 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 you can't, no, it's not, no, it, it is, it is about works. He said, I'll be glad to show you the faith that i professed by the works that I do. You, you, you got to have a little something in you that don't just stand around and say, I know the word. Okay, so let's do the word. Y'all following where I'm at tonight? God's word demands action and application. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 48. I'm going to hurry tonight. Luke 12 and 48, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever, come on, y'all help me preach this right now. To whomsoever much is given. God don't require anything of me, pastor. I'm saved to whom much is be- There's no greater gift than salvation. If I've been given the gift of salvation, he said there's something required of me to whomsoever much has been given. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, God expects a return on that. Can I preach to you? I'm I'm almost there. I don't want to bore you to death tonight. But if you believe... In salvation and you accept the gift of salvation Then you must understand that there is a package deal that comes with that If you are going to receive salvation You will also surrender your will Can I preach to you tonight I said if you accept the salvation Then you also have to surrender your will Jesus made this prerequisite clear. If any man comes after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. I love this. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 4. I like it when the Bible says it so I don't have to. Yeah. I think I may have something on my glasses. Can you all help me with this tonight? He said, for anybody that says I know him, but they don't do his commandments. Woo, that's some hard preaching. Well, you better take it up with John. John said, if you open up your mouth and say, I know him, but you forsake keeping his law. Come on, somebody help me preach what he say he is. He is a. Well, I mean, he embraces some truth. No, he doesn't. Can I give you a little Johnny James tonight? Almost saved. He's He's always lost. I used to preach a sermon about King Agrippa when I was a kid. He said, Almost out persuaded me. I used to preach almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. It was a good youth sermon. Well, they, they, they see the necessity of being baptized in Jesus' name, but they don't see the necessity of being filled with the Spirit. Well, then you're only half born. So you've been buried. I want to welcome you to new life. I've never understood people fighting the necessity of the Holy Ghost. Like they like that word necessity. Why does it have to be a necessity to have that great gift? Do you understand what I'm asking right now? Well, you think it's necessary for me to get the Holy Ghost. Who wouldn't want it? The Bible literally says that angels long to look into it. Angels can't have it. God. It's a song that the angels can't sing. It's a song of the redeemed. Verse 5 But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk. Oh God. I don't just want to know Jesus, I want to walk like Jesus. I don't want to just tell people, hermeneutically and homiletically sound, everything I know about Jesus. When they look at me, I want to be like one of his disciples. Lord, I feel like preaching right now. There's a preacher on me. You do understand that when Peter walked away from him at the garden and he got down to to the fire warming his hands and they walked up to him and said, you're one of his. He said, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, you are. You're one of his. No, 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 I'm not. And finally this woman came up and she said, I know you're with him because your speech betrays you. Do you know what that means? When you've been with him long enough, you start sounding like him. The Bible said that Judas had to kiss Jesus on the cheek to let the guards know who he was. You can think of that all you want to, but I'm going to tell you what I believe it was. I believe that over the three years those men walked with him, they all started carrying themselves like him. He was the most famous man in Judea and Judas had to identify him. I don't believe it was for identification. I believe that Judas was telling them, now when we get there, these guys have been with him so long, they sound like him, they walk like him, they look like him. I'm going to kiss the one that's him so you know it's really here. And people wonder why we preach holiness in this church. I'm going to tell you, I believe in walking like him. I believe in looking like him. I believe in acting like him. This is such a powerful statement of the Spirit's conviction in the heart of every man and woman who calls him as Broadly, the statement is used, their Lord and Savior. There's two powerful things here that I don't have time to, to really get into the depths of, but he's, I love that Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus says, God our Savior, and Jesus Christ our Savior. But this is why I like Lord and Savior. Because for Him to be my Savior, all I have to do is receive salvation. But for Him to be my Lord, I have to be submitted. So don't, 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 don't give me the flashy religious spirit. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, everybody can accept Him as Savior. I mean, that's the gift. But nobody wants to accept Him as Lord because that means... If you tell me to dress different, I'll dress different you tell me to talk different, I'll talk different. If you tell me to quit drinking, I'll quit drinking. Woo! Can I I finish? (laughs) There's no way that you could read John's writing and not think at all that God has a way that he expects us to live. Are you with me? Yet for many of us, put your seatbelts on. We bristle up at the notion that we are liars and the truth of God is not in us. If we say we know him, but we don't keep his commandments. We get mad at the preacher and we get mad at the brother. Have you ever seen somebody in your life that was so in love with God that they convicted you? They walk with God and you're like, man, I want to be better when I'm around them. That's a work of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you what I believe. We do not want to admit how often we choose to walk in darkness. Not because we believe that darkness is the right course of action. Please hear me closely. But because it requires no effort to change and is comfortable and predictable. Don't tell me I got to do something to be accepted. I'd rather walk on a path that's just predictable. Just do what I want to do and live how I want to live. He said, You can say you know it, but your actions speak louder than your words. It's truly laziness in the heart of a man that feeds our fears and paralyzes us from embracing this wonderful light and glorious gospel. Peter said, he said, he hath called you out of darkness into into his marvelous light. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1, quickly close. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him. Oh God, this is so powerful. And we walk in darkness. Are you all with pastor tonight? We lie, notice these words, and do not the truth to him that knoweth oh God if we say that we have fellowship with him but we walk in darkness we lie and we don't do the truth but if we walk in the light oh God help me preach this to your people tonight if we walk in the light As he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ. Shatayabosah. His son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. Here it is John. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin. He is faithful, and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us, oh God, from all unrighteousness. John is echoing the words of James. You can say you know him. You can say you love him, but you're going to have to show somebody that God has been good to you. It's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to know the truth and do the truth. stand we must obey God's word not avoid doing right things by committing the sin of omission because of that we may have to endure some hardship but James already encouraged us in James 1 and 2 I love it when he said brethren I count it all joy when I fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, that you may be whole, wanting nothing. A song, I believe, is Brother Tim Spell saying, When you find he's all you have, yeah. you'll find he's all you need. You know why people always walk around wanting? Because patience is not working perfection in your life. Folks, I want everybody in this room to go to heaven with me. But there is a dark reality that hangs over my head as a pastor that not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. You know who it's going to be? It's not just going to be the ones that say, well, I don't do that. I don't go there. I don't wear that. It's going to be the ones that know to do good. And they do it. James, preach to me, James. He said, don't just be a hearer of the word. But be a doer also. But pastor, if I live my life doing the word of God, people in this present world may not like me. And I may be contrary to them, John 15 and 18. Jesus said, He said, If the world hates you, I want you to know they hated me before they hated you. If you were of the world, hear me, church. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hated you he said the spirit in you and the spirit of the cosmos are always going to be contradictory if you love the things of God the things of this world aren't going to agree with you I'm here to reach for somebody tonight that says Lord I'm thankful for every chance I hear your word but I want to be a doer of the word I want to do what I know I thank God for every sermon I've ever heard. But I want to do the word. I thank God for every conference I've been to. I thank God for every time in my life I've been inspired. But I don't just want inspiration. I want activation. If you want God to work in your soul tonight, you're willing to work for him, would you just say yes to him tonight? Yes to his will. Yes to his way. Yes to his word. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. I will trust you. I will obey. When your spirit speaks to me, God, I'll agree with your spirit. Ah. And I don't want